0: All right, I've I've got a proposal for you tonight, and I want you to think about this real, real seriously. If you were to be coming into a town, and you were going to start a movement, I don't care if it's political or whatever, but you were going to get people together, and you were going to get them all moving in the same direction, who would be the first people in that town that you would contact? Think about it. Somebody with name recognition, right? Hopefully somebody that's got a checkbook and they're pretty free with it, you know. Hopefully it's somebody that has reasonable intelligence and, and they can go out and, and, and support what you're doing, well-respected in the community and all of that. And that's what Jesus did, Right? Think about what Jesus did. When he started gathering his people together, the checkbook wasn't a big deal. Some of them weren't very respected at all. In fact, some of them were despised, right? I mean, let's face it. Matthew was a tax collector. And we all love tax collectors. But they didn't think much of it. In fact, you remember, Jesus was called to, to task one time. You know, why, why does he go and eat with all these publicans and all, all these sinners and, and, and all of that? He, he was frowned upon. Mm-hmm. See, th- th- this is another one of those things about how, how uniquely Christianity is and, and uh, is in, in existence. Uh, how, how unique it is that God's plan was not to include those of the big name, those of the big checkbook, those of, uh, of any of that. It was to get people that were willing to turn their hearts over. Now, go back last week. We, we were talking about how at Jesus' birth, He, he, he came into existence on this, this earth, Um, in in the most unexpected way. The people that were waiting on a Messiah, who who were they waiting for? King. King. A warrior. Somebody that was going to free them. Somebody that was going to physically, economically, socially, politically, was going to turn them loose. Then all of a sudden, you have this king that's born where? In a stable. In a stable. Smelly. You don't know, even talk about it. They even had pigs there, you know, even though it was all these Jewish folks, you know. But but that's not what they were expecting. And they struggled. They struggled. Not only that. Jesus was born on the wrong side of the tribes. Where, where, what, what was his hometown? Well, he was born in Bethlehem. Is Nazareth. Now, folks didn't look highly on those born in Nazareth. They just didn't see them that way. And, and so when, when he goes off and, and, and he begins... course, we'll look at John a little bit later, John the the baptizer. But uh, before John even took off, Jesus wasn't really well looked on because he didn't do all the things that we expect humans to do. And when he began to preach and teach, he stepped all over their toes. You know, when, when he delivered the Sermon on the Mount... Basically, he took everything they stood for, and he didn't say "Don't believe any of that." But what he did is, he took it from one point. He says, "But you're missing the point," and he he began to teach them the better way. And 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 that was that was a shock to him. Now, well, let's. Just go to Matthew 5. Let, let, let's just start there. Matthew 5, beginning in verse 5. This is Jesus' first lesson, sermon to them, okay? And this is the way he starts. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when... They revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you, falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. What did Jesus just do? When when he started that sermon, he started talking about the downside of society, didn't he? I mean, that's exactly what he was talking about. He's talking about the meek. See, meekness is always thought of as what? A sign of weakness. He, he, He talked about Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they'll be filled. Those that are merciful shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And listen to this one. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called sons of God. That doesn't sound like the warrior king that they were waiting on. And it set them back. And they struggled with that. And just like we were talking a while ago, or the question that I started with, who would you go to if you were trying to get a movement started? And I've been involved in in, in some of that, where where you're you're trying to get somebody that can stand up and carry the message, somebody who's got a willingness to find the time to do it, somebody that's not afraid to, to, to kind of share in the expenses of the thing that's going on. But that's not what Jesus did. Look at Matthew 10, beginning in verse 2. Now these are the first twelve. Okay, this this is his starting point. Now the names of the twelve apostles are those, first Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James the son of Alphaeus and Labaeus, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. That, that, those were the twelve. Simon the Canaanite, He was a what? He was a zealot. And what did the zealots stand for? They were go-getters. And, and they were talking about physically overtaking Roman rule and doing away. And they, in other words, they were rebels. They were rebels. Okay? Now, those that supported that idea, that was fine. But a lot of people in that society didn't particularly see that as a strong point. Didn't care much about it. Matthew, the tax collector. You know, not very good. You had Thomas. Thomas Didymus, the doubter. Judas. Now, Judas wasn't like all the rest of them. For one reason, he was not born where they were of them were Galileans, and he was from Judea. So he didn't even have the same background. He had, well, let, let's, let's just say because of the difference in the regions, I'm sure the history as presented was slightly different in those two sections. The then was interesting about That there that Jesus related to both groups. Mm-hmm. Was, he was born in Judah, but he grew up in Galilee. Right. he was the connector. He he was the connector. And then you had Peter and Andrew and James and John, two sets of brothers. My, weren't they jewels, okay? Now, if if you talk about prominence, they're probably the ones that were more prominent within the, the society within that area. But I never got the idea that they were, were genteel people. I always saw them as kind of rough around the edges, just a little bit. And in fact, if, if, if you moved it to modern times, I, I've always had this image of Peter with his overhauls on and his hand stuck walking around, you know, and reaching over and you know spitting a little bit of his chow out, you know. But they were pretty gruff guys, and they worked hard. They were fishermen. You know, as, as we go through Jesus, if we go all the way to his trial. Who was it that had access to the trial but John? So that tells you right there, he had some connections. I, I don't know financially how they were, but I know this, when Jesus called them, one by one, what did they do? They just got up and went with him, Okay. They, they had that depth of commitment that he was looking for. And I'll always go back. When you look at everything that we've, we've studied so far, when you're talking about the unique nature of God and the unique way that God reaches out and he, he keeps his plan moving forward, when it doesn't make sense to us, it makes perfect sense to him. Mm-hmm. Because he knows what he's doing. We struggle with what we're doing. We sure can't understand God. But he made choices that that we wouldn't have made. How did a tax collector get paid? By overcharging. overcharging. He, he, He had a certain amount he had to turn over to Roman authorities... And he could keep as his salary anything above that. So the idea was, if, if they wanted, from Shorty Iker, they wanted however many shekels he'd have to pay, then if he could double that amount, he was doing pretty good. And they were pretty deceitful guys. It's no wonder they didn't care much for the tax man. Because they were... Legal criminals is what they were. (laughs) (laughs) Do what? Pretty much. Pretty much. But people looked at that and they wondered why Jesus would would call this Matthew guy who had been extorting money from them for years, call him to be one of the the front runners in, in this whole process. It didn't make sense. It didn't make sense. Now, move to Matthew 20 and look beginning in, in, in verse 20. Because we, we have to understand that the people he called were human, and therefore, as humans, they were flawed people. But they were common folk. Okay? Wasn't it mentioned at times about some of them that, that, that well, you know, it's obvious he's not educated, you know, not quite in those words, but, but he, he's, not, he's not a book-learned guy. But at the same time, they did know Scripture. And they had been taught Scripture, and they'd gone up with it, and they were kind of locked into it. But you know, they have the same personality flaws that we do. Matthew 20, beginning in verse 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, "'What do you wish?' She said to him, Grant that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right hand and the other on the left, in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said to him, We are able. So he said to them, You will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but is for those for whom it is prepared by my Father. Now listen to this. And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, And those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. This is pride thing, right? the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him and said, grant that these two sons of mine, they're special little boys. They're special little boys. He said, grant that these may sit on your right and on your left in your kingdom. Now, how did the other ten respond to that? negatively. So what you see is they had the internal fighting. You had a proud mama pushing her sons, wanting special treatment for them. And it's not the only time that Jesus kind of uses this thing about you you can't drink the cup that I'm going to drink. You're not capable of dealing with it. But pride. I've been in this school business long enough. I, I know that mamas often are a lot prouder of their kids than, than maybe they ought to be, okay? Because they come out. I, I remember the first time I had this one, I, I had a seventh grader at that point that he, ma- he made a, a B in my class. A good B, 88 or 89, something like that. And his mama called me and said, my son has never made a bee in his life. And I didn't know what to say. I said, well, he has now. You know, he's he, he stepped forward. You know, he's growing. Now he's got yeah. something to build from him. But when you get a proud mama, they're, they're, they're going to push their kids. And they had them. James and John did anyway. Mm-hmm. But these other guys, they were upset with them. And you can imagine why. Because we call that on the workplace, what? Politics. Mm -hmm. Office politics. It was going on. Okay? No different. No different. Luke. before that, the Lord sit with the uh, criminals and stuff like that. And the people said, why are you doing that? He says, "His sick needs a doctor, but the well, well don't." He said, "That's why I'm here." That's correct. And who can reach out to those people better than the group that he chose? You know, that's the thing that we have to remember. In Luke 24, beginning in verse 24. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Who was it that went to the tomb to discover that Jesus was not there? It was the women. Now, they come running back and they say, Look, he's gone. He's not there. You see something wrong with this picture in that society? Women were not well respected within that society. Okay. Now with Christ's Christ people they were, but society as a whole. So so you've got the women coming back, and they're they're screaming what's going on and telling, and, and and they get back, and there were some didn't believe them. Would believe them? Why not? <laughs> There's a woman. That's the attitude they had. But they went. See, God never ceases to amaze, never ceases to amaze what He can accomplish in a way that we never would have dreamed of, never would have thought of, never would have seen any way it could have worked. I mean, my goodness, you go back in, in, in uh, Matthew and in Luke and, and, and read the genealogies And you find women in mm-hmm. there. You know? <laughs> you find women. Well, that's true. That's true. But to put their name on paper, you know. But that confounded some folks. That confounded. And they didn't know quite how to deal with it. Now, put yourself back to where Jesus was. Not on the cross, but as he began his ministry. And and, and in our world today, you know, know, let's... We've got the smartphones and we've got internet on our computers and... And we have serious radio and, and we can listen to 112,000 stations or whatever. I don't know what it is. You get instant communication. You can get on the phone, talk to somebody clear on the other side of the world. Um, something happens in, in uh, Bangladesh and it's instantly up on the screen on TV. Instant, 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 instant. What if we didn't have access to those things? And we had, do I? Probably would. But we'd have to go back to the old days and instant news is when you found out it about it six weeks later. Or two months later. But see, those were the situations that... Jesus began to be known. It was by word of mouth. By word of mouth. And that meant something. That meant something in that day to most people. Nowadays, buy a new car on a handshake without having to put down earnest money or something, right? You know. That's almost a thing of the past. But that's the way business was done. And and not only that, you're, you're talking about a people that was basically a non-nation. They had been a nation, had been a powerful nation at times, but they had been conquered, 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 and they were current, currently under rule of of the Romans and under control of the Romans. The Romans weren't too shook up about it at first because they didn't realize the significance of what was about to happen. But notice the theories kind of pricked up a little bit as the momentum began to build. And they began to take notice because you start throwing out around words like king, and how does that impact them? Whoop, we've already got a king. You know, we don't have room for other ones, you know. But that, that's what they started to hear. And, and then you had these apostles that were being trained. I mean, that, that they were under mentorship of Jesus, is one way to think about it. Because they were traveling with him. They were camping with him. They were sitting around the campfire with him. They they were doing everything he did, and he was teaching them, and he was constantly reteaching them because they missed the point. So he was always saying, you know, okay, let's try this again. Let's sit down and listen. And and, and he'd lay it on them again. And then he'd have to reteach them again. Then you have have, uh, James and John's mama comes up. Well, that that wasn't where he wanted to be spending his time worrying about the pride, family pride, in in this whole operation. Um, But let's be honest. Among the, the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, those in Jerusalem and surrounding areas... And provinces, uh, they didn't all get along with each other. They they had a different view of the world. And and, and you throw, you know, you, you throw them all together and, and you've got this Jesus coming along and said, Look, we're all part of God's creation. And he's not using these words yet, but this is the message that's coming out, and I am his gift to you. And it is through me that you might be saved. It is through me that you can be forgiven. It is through me that you can find salvation. And that's not what they had in mind because their salvation prior to this time was being released from the bondage of the woman. How many generations had they had as a people that they were under subjection to somebody spent half their time I call those God's tutorials because that's what he was doing he was them he was trying to get them to understand this is what I ask of you and what was he asking of them what was it Larry he wanted obedience did he not too much to ask. Well, when Jesus starts talking this obedience stuff, and these called twelve begin to travel with him, and, and, and the numbers of disciples were beginning to grow and beginning to follow. The leadership of the Jews was deeply concerned because their world was being turned upside down. And when they start getting nervous then the Roman leaders begin to get nervous. And as they begin to get nervous everybody gets nervous mm-hmm. and so they start talking about what can we do about this guy. A, a, they they, they called a him a prophet. prophet. Uh, he was a wise man. He was called a magician. Yep, that's right. You know. He, he was called everything. But they refused to believe. He was the one he was. Now, it's kind of like the nativity scene that we talked about last week about how in our minds it's this nice, neat, clean picture and all these animals are so well behaved and the camel is kneeled down beside them and and everything is just beautiful. Among this these twelve, life was not always that pleasant. Because they disagreed at times about how, how they were moving forward. But they, they disagreed about position among the group. And and I always always you know, find it strange, unique, I guess, when we're talking about this study that who was the treasurer, the one carrying the money for this group? It was Judas. You know? And, and, and I think, you know, that they, I, I keep thinking when, when they go in and they're having that last meal together. And they're gathered around and, and Jesus says, there's one among us that's going to do what? That will betray me. And he knew who it was. He would known probably from the beginning. But he knew at that time who it was. And Judas did what? He jumped up and ran, didn't he? And ran out of the room. Well, if that's not a sign of guilt, I don't know what it is. You know. I know something. But Jesus knew. And if Jesus knew, why did he trust him with the purse strings? You know? I don't understand. But God did. God knew what the plan was. He knew where the plan was going. He, he knew what the outcome was going to be. And he never hesitated. Have you ever had a boss that acts in, a, in your eyes irrationally? You work for the government. You never had that problem, okay? <laughs> They're all rational, you know? I work for the school. There's no board members here tonight. Where where there is no common sense that goes in to the operational school a lot of times. And I'll deny it if you ever say I said it. But, but I watch things that happen, and I think, why do they do that? You know? What do you think these apostles were doing as some of these events were unfolding? Why, why did he do that? That did not make any sense. That, that's not what, what the deal was. That's not what we signed on for. It just didn't make sense. And I have to admit, 2,000 plus years later, I look at some of those things and it doesn't make sense to me. But that's the way God wanted it and that's the way God did it. And it worked to serve His purpose in His way to accomplish what He wanted to do. It didn't make sense that Jesus, I'm, I love that song, He Left the Splendor of Heaven. And, and I don't know, I, I guess as I was thinking about this over the last week, that song just keeps running through my mind. He left the splendor of heaven, knowing his destiny, you know. And he did it willingly. That doesn't make sense to me. Because he knew what he was going to face. The pain that he was going to face. The turmoil prior that he was going to face. And he knows that, or knew, that he wasn't going to benefit from it personally. But all of mankind if they chose and that didn't make sense to me Larry but I thank God that it did because that's where our hope lies we're going to come back next week and and, and look at the apostles a little bit more deeply individually because some of them have fantastic stories uh, behind them some of them We know nothing about, but they're mentioned in the list of the 12, and that's it. It doesn't mean they weren't important. It doesn't mean they didn't serve a role or a function. It just means it wasn't recorded. But there's some remarkable things that came out of that. So that's where we'll be picking up next week.